0: Right guys, right. thank you so much
1: for coming. I really appreciate your time. So look, there is there are also people who are not in Delhi who really wanted to listen to people sharing advice on any every other question. So we are recording parts of the sessions. Initially I'm gonna ask some questions to all of them and later we open it up, but do remember it's being recorded, so that's fine. Um quickly just to get a sense of who's applying this year? So, about 10 people. Who all think that MBA should be done at some point? Okay, so roughly one third, two third times, right? So, um, the people who think that they will be applying at some point, why why are you, why what's the thought process? So, what process in the sense like, like, why do you think MBA is important? Okay, okay, so for uh, me, in- what I in- thought in- in- was, uh, what position yeah. I want to reach in a certain organization, yeah. and do I need an endgame for that? But the answer is not that simple. No, 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 no. Well, I just want your uh, initial thoughts. Any questions?
2: So, yes. Absolutely. Networking? The second is that I'm talking for the data side of things a very niche perspective of the business. Right. right. To wrap up the operations and care about the perspective of uh, the business is something that I think can take into Sure. I think a combination of the two points, two five, it certainly does become I work in Like you hit a class C at some point. Mm-hmm. And MBA is the one way to catch that class gap. Okay, and that's what I have also. So why?
1: Right. Uh, and then they're working no, it's, it's really interesting. Anybody else? Uh, I'm asking more salary. More salary? Um, mm-hmm. more salary? Mm-hmm. Sure. Big mm-hmm. down. Uh, some people have MBA as well. So what else, like any other thing? Otherwise, mm-hmm. other just mm-hmm. is yes. yes. That is true, yeah. Any other questions? I know there are, guys. I feel to you over and over. So there's no point in shying here. So tell me, I got it here? And it's important for them to know. Otherwise, how will we structure our thoughts? Tell me. Tell me the random thoughts that come to your mind when you come to a team of engineers. Please. <laughs> right now, we am at a very early stage, so it's kind of you to, you do you go to classes at all? That's no, also no, 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 I mean that's yeah. a, that's oh, a question. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay, so okay, look, we have a very way stand, like, uh, I love the fishermen that I had. But I mean, last tell me when did you finish, like when you were applying? Sure. What kind of, what was NBA to you and how was it <laughs> doing? Uh, so I'll be slightly bit of an
3: exception. I applied when was in my final year of undergrad. Um, so I got into the HDUC2, uh, uh, which is an early admin program to get in and final year of undergrad. And for me, it was more of a perspective of, so, uh, I thought 2 plus 2 was great because it gives you 2 years to really pursue what you want to do. Um, I was also, in retrospect, um, HBS ended be up being a very good fit for me in terms of what I wanted on my APA. Uh, but it could go, like, it's worth thinking through more what you want from your career in the next level while thinking of your MBA school because MBA schools are very different and uh, they can either be very well aligned to your future career or completely off track.
1: Uh, no, but let's dive because we have Vishal who also in yeah. HBS 2 plus 2. When, when did when did MBA first creep in your head?
3: I think pretty early. Uh, I was one of those reluctant engineers. Uh, I knew I didn't want to engineer all my life, uh, so I just had to think about the broader, base thing. Um, I was at that point torn between uh, policy and an MBA. Um, which and to be honest in my case the decision got made earlier because I got into the 2 plus 2 and then there wasn't really and then you know, subsequently my career panned out in such a way that it made a lot of sense but at that time I was trying to go from a more
0: like niche field which was engineering which I wasn't a big fan of mm-hmm. A
3: broader
1: field, and at that point, MBA and policy seemed like two good options. And a lot of our community members are offering like MBA, MVP, yeah. MBA, both of them. How did you decide whether to study business or policy?
3: So, I think, uh, uh, so I initially, I think for me it was a much more practical reason. The uh, HBS had an early program, Kennedy School doesn't. Um, that was the reason I did it. Uh, I think one of the things that a lot of people should be aware of is there are a lot of dual degrees are worth exploring. Um, I personally didn't pursue one because by the time I was actually going through my MBA, I was pretty sure my career would be in business. I worked in social enterprise and actually got a lot of very broad perspective and then for me it had become clear that business is what I found interesting. But joint degrees are absolutely worth considering and people should be very aware of joint degrees. They're very they, to a lot of career sense for a lot of
1: now tell me about your undergrad years. Yeah. HBS, do, Does Everyone know what a tutors to program? Yeah. All of you do. Wow. But like you know how was college like you already structure or did you, you not structure your
3: 4 uh, I I did not structure my 4 years. Uh, it was uh, uh, at that point so India has had very few tutors to admit. Uh, even now so it's not a very high number. My year was probably the largest, it was four or five, probably. Uh, so it was not it was more like a moonshot, and we just did it and probably mostly didn't get in, the it, which is why I didn't structure my career around um, it. In retrospect, what had, the choices I made ended up being very relevant for her. So they often want um, you know, there is an engineering background, it's helpful in applying, uh, there is I did a lot of debating, which naturally naturally helpful. I did a lot of community engagement. I ran the mentorship program at IIT. I was also involved with a in not-for-profit uh, mentoring students uh, in math and science. So to be honest, in my case, I didn't plan it. It ended up being a lot of things that deal <coughs> to. Do. However, uh, I know subsequently a lot of people did try planning it. I, at least in the undergrad years, I have not seen it. I think Lukashtra is also a bit of a nobody knows why somebody got it. Because in India, the selection rate has typically been very low. So it's kind of hard to see what the there. there is. I think it's almost declining to one or two for the last few years. Right, right. No, that's very that's really interesting. we we'll come, come back to
1: it. But we shall hear it's also an HBS So, tell me, Vishal, how much of it was serendipity and how much
4: of it was planning? So, I actually started so law school, I graduated from law school in Sotipat mm-hmm. and last year. Um, I, so, up until my third year, I was 100% sure I law. In my third year, I started considering, um, you know, oh, maybe I want to do business, I want to do an MBA. But I, so, I worked, I had done the internship in BC, which is when I started thinking, you know, enjoying a lot more. You know, and on campus, I used to work for a research centre that was um, centred around entrepreneurship. I know there started with a couple of things which I was really enjoying. And um, you know, from my understanding, I started talking to lawyers who had done an um, MBA, and my understanding was that I need to do a couple of years in corporate law from the MBA, try to do that, then apply, um, you know, for an MBA, four or five years into it. And then I happened to meet someone uh, in Mumbai as well from, in, from my school who had applied for 2 plus plus two in the year before. And he was like, oh, you should definitely check this out. And i never heard of the program. And this was the beginning of my final year, so I had some time. I um, five, six months to look at the application and everything. And that's when I thought, okay, you know, this sounds really interesting. Um, and like I was saying, you know, it's sort of, you never know what you to get some of the 2 so plus two yeah. acceptance rates are, you know, really random as well. So I thought, you know, it's worth a shot because I'm still in college. It's so not like I have to do anything special for it except for the GMAT. Man. Um, so it did come about sort of randomly on us. Um, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting program. I think having that admission um, secure has been over a year. So, you know, having that sort of secure or whatever, it makes it a lot easier to now plan my career. Accordingly, as opposed to being stuck in law for four or five years, not 100% happy. Um, and then thinking about okay now I should apply this so, good. Yeah. So
1: so far we've discussed two lessons stand out, right? Planning or like you know, like it's not a movie that like you can offer a script, like mm-hmm. it's not a script that like you can copy. So don't try copying <coughs> copy I Amilasha's mean, so, pastor. There's some common lessons that you might take uh, to it. One of which from Rishal's story will find very directly. Present. There were 10 internships over five, five, over 5 years, and not exactly all of them were planned one after the other. There was a complete goal of serendipity, there was a like decent amount of work done there,
0: and hence the energy made some
1: sense. Typically, when a person is applying without it, without it, we normally discourage it and just prove another mm-hmm. So, you should have more experience, especially when you're tired, have a client or program outside. Unless you can demonstrate otherwise and you have the maturity uh, to, you know, uh, to stand out. That's usually not the case, hence, maybe the ambitions are But you know, like later when we do QA, you should ask that. Like, when did you start diving deeper into it? And feel free jump any time. Now we can two very interesting people who had some experience before applying. So let's come to Shreya, who recently Returned from London, yeah, and we are truly grateful that a, yeah, yeah, like I know you just love London. Thank you very much it. for the coffee. But tell us your idea story. When you are it, when how did it become a dream? How of it was Yeah, so I'm um, yes, I'm heading to London Business School uh, starting in August. So um, yeah, I just came
5: back. We had a Bain event, but very interesting. So I think mean for me, I always knew uh, during my undergrad that this is what I want to do. It has to be India for me. Um, yeah, so it was more like a childhood dream and I didn't put too much logic behind it. I think just intuitively I always knew this is what I'm going to do. Uh, and everything that I've done after that has always been like, even like the job I took and every move I made with the job, it was just so that, you know, if you look good on my CV, I can talk about it so that I can get my um, B-school position. So that was my always, you know, I like, not start and everything I did was orchestrated to achieve that goal. So, yeah, after, after Stevens, I did five years in a reinsurance company. It's called Swiss Reinsurance. We insured insurance companies. Uh, they came to campus. Yeah, it's very uh, niche model, but very interesting, campus. So they came to campus. I got into the international graduates program. Um, yeah, and after that, I, mean, I got two promotions within the job. I mean, I really tried to create them for myself. So, that I didn't really look Google on my CV for the education. Um, and, yeah, just last year I uh, applied for the B-School. I think it turned out to be much tougher than I thought. I really underestimated the uh, process Because, yeah, GMAT is, is one part of it, like the academics. But I think I really underestimated the networking part of it. Um, when I went there, uh, I actually went to London last year just to meet them uh, to get a sense of, uh, you know, this is my application. What do you, you want me to do? So to, just to get feedback. And she told me that, I mean, I met the head of recruitment over there. So you have to plan this out, but it's, it's okay, like it's easy to do that because they have these open sessions, and all of these schools have open sessions you don't necessarily have to travel to come I think that's just way too eager uh, because you know my family lives in London, so I just have LBS as my dream um, I didn't consider any other schools but you don't have to necessarily travel, they have these NGO open sessions in Delhi, Bombay, anywhere you want to attend So she told me, the head of that you would also help like in addition to everything else that you've got uh, i also helped to really get an informal letter of recommendation from somebody who's been at LPS And then really just started my... I was just one month away from the admission deadline, uh, and that's where I really thought it was way tougher than I thought, because I was not part of network capital at the moment. And I had to really fish out people who were alums from my college and my school, and who went to LPS, then put a meeting with them. I was working in Sydney in and Bangor at I came to Delhi, just for the meeting that letter and went back. So, yeah, I would I would just say that it was much tougher than I thought, but yeah, I think that well. You had five years in your class, yes. Four and a half when I applied, five. and then when I, by yeah. the time I ended, up So, you'll see I Amilas mean,
1: and Michelle, one kind of story. Uh, yeah. uh, she had a very different kind of story. But I would say, from the recruitment standpoint, especially conventional recruitment, Having I mean, some work experience like this is considered no work. So like this five years of specific when she applies to say a McKinsey Z or BCT or they will take it seriously, especially if it's stands or For many, like for many startups and all, they may or may not be right? very of the that they have experience. the experience now. the natural job doesn't matter. Because look, MBA needs to that in the end. Getting go every individual in order to get it. You want something in L. In- in- so, some of the just like uh, Ali had loved college, wide reach,
2: and very, uh... Yeah, so for me, uh, it wasn't as intuitive as you, in okay. the sense I didn't know that I, I'll be going and doing an Um So, I'm from my Delhi, also a couple of years junior to Akasha, and important in many of the same activities. And soon I figured out it's not an like engineering, but I only like bits of it. Um, which uh, I like a lot. So, for example, control theory or computer uh, some courses in computer, uh, computer science and engineering I really enjoy. And I uh, wanted to innovate on my own, or to start things on my own. So, I joined the fellowship which uh, allowed you that kind of clarity. Uh, it's still a dream. It's called the International Innovation Forum. So it's it the University Chicago Fellowship. Uh, but now it's more of a consulting model. In my year, it was more of an interpretation model. So you were... You were in a public sector unit, um, you were directly advising the chairman and you sort of had to bring up your own So I thought that's a good way to uh, innovate but also have a structure behind yeah, I have a good salary, also little bit in my first year right after college, so all of those factors were well, playing in my head. Uh, and post that I did a startup start-up, which did water, uh, and so. I knew that I wanted to stay connected to the innovation space while maintaining you know, a risk profile that I could actually work with. So I can't, I can't keep on you know, doing a startup and not have enough in the, in the bank. So I, therefore, uh, I, I got this opportunity to work directly with uh, uh, Mr. Amitabh Khan, the CEO of EPIL, And I took that because I knew that ETI was a lot of work uh, in terms of just uh, national policy making, but also attuned towards startups, and attuned towards technology, right? And they wanted to build up their whole technology world. So that was a very uh, unique thing. And soon after I joined, I realized that to actually make an impact, you need to understand the story from both sides. So one part of the story will be you acting from the government side, meeting everyone, and understanding where the problems are, right? And the other part of the story is actually getting into the midst and trying to solve those problems, right? So that's what we need to engage because I think in the future as well, uh, more market forces are going to dominate in this country. You know, and you, know, you need you need to you need to uh, have uh, you need to have government uh, play the role, of, uh, the role of people. And I don't want to get into that debate, but I think uh, you know these forces are even becoming more important in the social sector. So it's more important to learn that learn data the policy making. And the thing that drew me to prove uh, was the variety of choices that they offer. That's something that, so I think there are two models to uh, most MBA programs you'll apply to. One is a cohort model, right? And the other is more of a choice-based model. So I think HBS has a cohort model as far as I'm aware. And the benefit of that is that you get to do everything with your classmates build very strong networks. And that's what IIT Delhi was like for me. IIT Delhi has a bunch of hostels and you stay in one hostel for four years. So you make a lot of vertical networks and, and, and lateral networks. and. Very powerful friendships, right? So um, I, I liked that, but what I did not like was the inability to choose so much about you know which forces I wanted to take and I did not want to take. So I did not want to take the but I had to do it and uh, like I mean I had to pass it. Okay? So that was very frustrating uh, because uh, I would have rather spent my time on something else where I felt that I would use it later in my career. So, Boot treats you more like, uh, more, 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 more like, I mean, everything is choice-based. So, apart from your lead course, which is uh, leadership development, you can choose your entire path in your MBA. Take courses uh, without slightly away from your field. Because, I think in an MBA, it's more about also, uh, I want those two years to sort of uh, synthesize all the learnings that have happened, but have not been made really explicit. So, you learn a lot by doing things, but you don't necessarily synthesize them into general, general patterns that you can use in the future. So, I think an MBA gives you that space. Um, and, and so that's why we all into some mind. That's why I'm asking you.
1: So, Abhinash, what was V school really like?
3: Um, so, I think oh, for me, it was, so there was a couple of, you know, I was a three categories of realization for me. Um, first was uh, international, right? Um, it's actually very different between, um an education um, in the US as compared to India. I studied at IIT, which had a few courses which may have prepared me for what was to come, but it was it was very different. HBS uh, uh, in particular has a case-driven model where you discuss cases, there's a lot of 50% of your data on class participation. Uh, so that part, team more naturally, I'd been debating for many years before that, but uh, just a degree of writing, uh, just like sharpening those skills and just having a point of view and being able to back on it. Was something that it was very interesting to learn in a very multicultural classroom. Uh, so that was one dimension of it. Uh, the second was that I had had very. So I had worked in you know, a startup in the education space before this. So I had very focused experience, and I wanted to diversify, which is actually quite different from a, a, a reason why I got a lot of people get their MBA, because they actually often are consulting or investment banking, which is broader, and they want to go now. But I think MBA supports both. It just depends on how you structure what you're doing. Um, so I tried, like, uh, you know, contrary to a lot of very different advice, I tried very different things. I tried finance, entrepreneurship, life sciences, to where my current career is. Being, um, so that was the second dimension uh, that I, you know, found really interesting. That for me, uh, I way, it It is not completely unstructured uh, exploration. That can be challenging. Could potentially have very significant downsides. I had a few hypotheses that I was testing out, and um, so the HBS helped that because the first year is it's called required curriculum; you have to do everything ask you to do. The second year is elective curriculum, so you choose all your courses, and that's where the first year allowed me to dabble, get some perspective, and the second year I was able to test a lot of my hypotheses out. My current career shift was like very much linked to that. as well. The third thing I think a lot of, very few people talk about this is city. Um, so, it is in Boston. Um, Boston is also like the hub of colleges. Um, I spent a lot of time at MIT, spent a lot of time at the Kennedy School, spent a lot of time thinking the Boston ecosystem. Um, and that really shaped what I did. I currently work in a startup that's using a written AI-driven platform for early stage research and pharmaceutical companies, so AI for drug discovery. And a lot of that shift was 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 driven partially by HBS but also was like driven by the city I lived in. Um so I think those were the three things that i always found very like the city part I'm not expecting at all. But cities have characters, Boston everything has one.
1: So from this part you should know that uh, fit is really important for business. For example, the case is meant that i last about Some people really, really struggle you already guess who? Who really struggled with the famous person in India? Brother Gopal, the former CEO of really the If you read his autobiography, he describes in great detail why people or at least professors would think that you have such great ideas, but somehow you never speak in class. If you don't speak in class, you don't get class, class participation. If you don't get class participation, only raise your numbers. He was just, like, he was just uncomfortable speaking in groups. Like, he doesn't, in the book, he doesn't say that very clearly when he was an introvert <coughs> or not. Uh, but he was alluding to it, it was my yes. motivation. Pick your school as Ali he would have said, over of percent But, in the second year, another professor that goes explains how, with the help of his professor, <coughs> he started speaking in class, and then that professor recommended him to McKinsey after he was rejected, and then, you know, so, so the story here is that unless you have people who can really vouch for right? you, like another uh, professor who has degrees is great, eventually he, 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 he had to get a second
0: shot to McKinsey, and he led McKinsey that. <coughs> you, That's also a subtle
1: aspect of business. The kind of uh, meaningful bonds that you build, whether it's friends or professors, I'm sure we have yeah. come to that as well, is super I don't know, I think you, you already know some professors professor, at home, so you want to talk some, some, a
2: bit about what you've worked with them before. Yeah, I mean, due to uh, my fellowship, the um, Chicago Fellowship, uh, the professor of Amir, uh, Dr. Anup Malai, got a chance to work with him on English uh, and other things, both at RSE but also later. So, for example, uh, you know, he works at the intersection of uh, blockchain, economics, and how it works. I mean, there's a lot of testing stuff just by like, talking to them and reflecting uh, on some hypotheses you have that you can just begin to... Just, I mean, and it's humbling because a lot of the stuff that you thought you would have thought uh, is originally the start, and then you say, that, oh, that's already been done, and you're uh, you okay, fine. Right. So then maybe something else. So I think it's important, uh, as you rightly pointed out, uh, to have backwards, uh, and I think that's something that you should think about in your career as right? well. I mean, of course, they'll be this, but uh, if I ask, if I perform the 360, and no one will, but if someone were to do that 360 uh, degree evaluation, right, if people ask about you, uh, what would they say? Um, and that's not necessarily how you plan out your own career, I'm not saying, like, do your job thinking that you're <coughs> watched by anyone. But just know that, know that me that you need to have a background Apart from the recommenders, who can speak for your work in the
3: future? Just one quick comment. So, my ex boss was from Harvard, uh, which provided me a lot of respect going into what I was getting into. Uh, I think the best thing he did for me was tell me every reason I could take it. It's very important to know that uh, business schools are a lot about it. I, I know for a the fact there are some schools I would have been reasonable. I also knew people who differently different my Harvard. Uh, so it's not just like the structure, the curriculum, the type of people it attracts, um, and this is all evolving. It, so it's like it's, it's very important to do it. He had dropped out of Harvard, so I kind of knew <coughs> every reason why I shouldn't go, and also how the demographic had shifted. So how would it have a significant shift in the last five six years? Uh, before that, it might have been as miserable. Can
1: ask me a question? Who are your refugees? Was that part of your yeah.
3: So I had. Uh, so my. Uh, so I applied when I was in final year of college. Uh, the the work that I did. The North Pole which became a startup, He was one of the persons I worked for. So he was ex-Harvard, which which helps by the way. Or I recommend him from the same school. There is a lot. Uh, and uh, they, they don't. They don't really. <laughs> I mean, like they don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the uh, second person was a professor, but well, that was they uh, and then the third recommended to me to be able to do with the tutors to use it recommendations in college. And then the third recommendation comes in only before you join, who uh, hmm. was another of my But course. then
2: that's not a decision making. That's not, that's just like
3: it. finish up the paperwork. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Look,
1: so the key quality, and I am going to ask each of them about their recovery, but like from what are they said and how it has affected. Because the referee, the reason that they ask for a referee is they want to know, is there one or two or three people who can literally vouch for you without a battery line? Yeah. Like they need to make a case for it. And if it is between which she is a leader, he is a spokesperson, you will not get it. Anywhere. If your letter of recommendation is a bunch of buzzwords, you will not get it. Unless and uh, until that letter of recommendation, the author is what I want. So, I'm removing extreme celebrities from the case. By the way, you'll be surprised Like some people do get a recommendation from massive celebrities. <laughs> like, for example, one person at <laughs> Network Capital got a recommendation for KT Tech. Yeah. Because that person worked Very, very good. But usually, for new models, that usually doesn't happen. That person needs to make a case.
2: Like, are you comfortable <clears> talking <throat> about your experience? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm a little bit of my time
0: talks. So, obviously, I have to. As soon as I join
2: the organization, you build up your credibility to do your work. That's I think, something that anyone who is in professional sector would understand. You try to do your work, uh, uh, you know, you try to approach it uh, not just in terms of what's being told, but in terms of how that work will really help the organization in the long term. And that's what, if you're, if you're, if you're a leader of that organization, and they feel empowered by the work you're, you're doing, then they're more likely to do uh, that. <coughs> Uh, the other yeah. element of course was again someone uh, I got an option to work to receive, uh, was, was uh, I mentioned uh, uh, Dr. Malani. And the reason was that in the first year of the fellowship, he was the founder and it was the first inaugural year, year. So therefore, it was a, there was a lot of like feeding um, issues in terms of how do you even manage a team, how, how is it embedded in a government organization, what's the status. And so um, I, I sort of went the extra mile to start to try and help with that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have got that particular recommendation. Uh, and what happens is that you need to have specific examples, um, which, which is something that uh, as soon as you guys get to get to writing your application, you'll understand. This is where the recommender talks about. So, if the recommender is only seeing you from afar, like if the recommender is the boss of your boss of your boss, and he knows that, oh, this is a bright kid, he's doing a lot of the work, that won't do. Right? Because they will, they will have no examples where they need to speak about a situation where you were there and you tangibly made an impact, and without you, something would have gone south, or <coughs> without you would have just been status quo and that really, really wouldn't have happened. So somebody has to uh, really work with you, and that person has to be recommended. I don't think in my case it worked out that the recommender was also someone who was well known, but I don't think that's the biggest factor at all. It from good. all of my all of the people that I know worked with great schools. It's really being a person who really knows them mm-hmm. and I can, I can, I can write in detail about them. That is the rule of thumb of company. Also, specifically, when I met a celebrity,
1: I met a globally recognized celebrity you see on TV at right? yes. So, some people don't, know, don't get a so that celebrity, but most of us won't. So, it's important to have a recording back to who will write the story and not somebody just casually knows off. That is not true. So, Michal, who, who referred to you on your show? So, um,
4: I had, again, since I've had my final year of university, I knew people from the university itself. Um, one was the vice chancellor of the university. So, Jindal, when I joined five, six years ago, was a very small university, so everyone knew everyone. We were in close contact with all the professors, VC, everyone. Um, last year, he interviewed me for a couple of things. So, there was a Jindal has a startup in Supreme Court Hawaii. For internship, and he was, if I'm um, he was in BC, and he interviewed me for that. We got charged after and he had actually come to Dubai when the internship was going on. and I spent some time with him over there, um, so we, I spent quite a bit of time with him. He also um, he was a Rhodes Scholar, and I came into Harvard Law. But um, I thought that could help, plus fact that he knew me last year. Um, when I got into Jindal, I got to a couple of national law schools as well, and at that time Jindal didn't have financial education at all, um, not very much alumni. So I went out to see the campus, and when I went there, I met him and he was um, he we just chatting about what exactly I was looking for from the law school, um, especially you know coming to Sony and the and just generally what his vision for the um, university was me. So you know I knew him since actually before I knew that as well. The second um, recommendation I got from my professor who ran my entrepreneurship center. So he started the sel- cell, he's from the US, he started the, cell in the second year of university, and I worked with him throughout. I mean as well. and we were we still do a couple of things together. So we got really close. And like I was saying, I think what not. So he showed me the recommendation after he submitted it, he sent it to me. And there was one part I was reading where he so I, I didn't know a recollection of this memory, um, of this instance, but he basically, had, right at the beginning, he had given me some negative feedback and he wrote about how I responded to that feedback, and this is something I, I didn't remember at all, but I definitely think that would have made a difference, because it definitely shows how well he knows me, um, and also just generally you know, how much time we spent together. We also worked on a lot of things together at the same I spent four years doing that mainly in college. So I think that was very helpful, you know. <coughs> Regardless of, I mean, there were a lot of professors at Jindal who had gone Harvard, who had taught me and all of that. But I thought, you know, no one on campus, especially the professor, knew me better than he did. So that would make a huge difference. Yeah, so for me, it was uh, one of them
0: was my ex-boss. Uh, he was the managing director of the India office, and I worked with
5: him one-to-one because I was the strategy so associated to him and the other was the global head of my uh, international graduates program when I was in Zurich. Uh, So I thought it was a good mix because I had one lady from Switzerland and one, I mean not not putting a gender mix, but then one person from Switzerland one from India. And then also I think uh, the global head of the grads program was talking more about when I just entered after college. So she was talking more about my initial one to two years and it was more academic because at that time we were doing more presentations, papers, etc. And then the MD talked more about um, you know, what I did uh, in my year three, year four, how I developed my business skills. So I think it was no, it didn't look like it was like a, like a copy paste, you know, both of them. They both talked about very distinct experiences. I think one thing which really helped me was uh, the MD. Uh, he was very forthcoming, and he actually sat with me. We had a one-hour session, and we really talked about. He gave me a lot of ideas that you you have not put in these kind of things, which will you know look really good. And I think it's a lot of storytelling. So uh, in your application, here you, know, you have to really balance how you have your essay, you have your CV, and you have your recommendation letters. And the space is very specific, at least for NBS. I think NCR has ten essays, but we had just two with 500 words each, and you have to put in as much as you can show different uh, experiences. So whatever I could not fit into my essays, I told, like, you know, I wrote in this letter, and then he kind of, you know, added more to it. So I think you have to use that space very wisely. And uh, I think we'll come to that, but just very quickly, you should be you know, looking at different criteria which should definitely go in there. Maybe it's covered by your recommendation and your uh, essay, I But it should talk about your work your development growth uh, t- trajectory that you've in your work, of course, your academics. Um, and then, you know, I think international experience, uh, at least I thought, was very important for MBAs. I, I don't know about others. Many of these schools don't really care, as some a lot. Um, then I would say uh, leadership potential, uh, which I struggled a bit with because I wasn't really um, you know managing a team or people. So I had to show different projects which I was leading and uh, different things I to come uh, into elsewhere. And I think the social impact can also help. So I ended up doing a lot of CSR initiatives in Kenya uh, through my phone, in my final year. Again, it was just to get uh, engaged. Uh, we don't advise you. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was yeah. yeah. um, yeah. yeah. the initial motivation that yeah. obviously yeah. I had.
1: Yeah. I know I'm going to later. Yeah. How did you write your essays?
3: So, this was uh, uh, the HPS essay structure has changed. It used to be uh, four essays at like 500, 600 words. Um, so, that was like pretty brutal. And um, I think a lot of it was like, I, I, the first thing I did was I didn't see anyone else's essays, I didn't see anything else till I wrote this stuff down. But otherwise you can get very influenced um, and you can get too thought down with it. So I had a very, so again, my, uh, one of my recommenders with my ex boss, he talked me through it, so he's like, talk to me about it. I do better when I speak than I write. It's right, so, like, my, I my natural strength. <laughs> So I actually recorded myself a lot. Um, I recorded what I was saying because I was speaking more freely. And then I heard myself <coughs> and started writing. Uh, I didn't even consider about the word limit initially because it sort of starts like stifling your ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wrote pretty unbound initially. Uh, and then I started like, you know, stepping back and taking a very ruthless way, and what is it that I'm trying to communicate. Um, so that was like one really important uh, dimension of this. Um, mine was also a bit unusual because I didn't use any coach. Um, I didn't have like you know nowadays you have almost everyone uses a coach so I had not use a coach. Um, I had specifically like uh, I was again trying to hit a certain you know few themes which I thought like my experience had like sort of had and which I knew I would like. So I was trying to like balance the two. And I was also trying to. uh, So so there was was, a writing process, which started from speaking and writing, very on you know, know, uh, on not so tailored by it and getting work from it. (coughs) I think one thing I do a lot of people's essays, and people get wrong is they forget what the broader picture is. If they write three or four essays, Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to be talking about the same person. Like if, if like you start like, it just seems very manufactured after a point and I'm like, okay, so what is your story? Like after like, if you talk about, especially if you have monthly essays, you should be very careful. But it's not just your essays, it's like, like you know, there are so many different dimensions to it. It can be stuff like your recommendation, your CV, they need to have a story. And, yeah, and if you don't have that, I think that's <coughs> the most like common reason I've seen applications for the apart. <coughs> Each of them like mutually seem to make sense, but together make no sense. I think just to add one point to it, it's good to have a good
5: balance, that's what I really learned. So obviously you are applying to a d-school, obviously they're looking at your potential, professional potential, and they want you to get hired by the best company. So they're obviously you need to sell those points, but at the same time, so you need to balance that with <coughs> you Don't make a caricature out of yourself and really do express your authentic you know, strengths and uh, really come, let your personality shine. Uh, yeah. That
1: happens,
2: so, so. I, I would completely agree with that. Which um, share? Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you said last about uh, letting your personality come through. And how you do that I, would, I would like say, for me it was uh, so there are two things, right? First is what is a business school really looking for? And if you look at uh, most of us uh, if you have if you're going to Indian institutions, there is a correct answer to everything. Right? So there's no there's no direction here of a correct answer. Right? First is that recognition. Uh, what what they're really doing and uh, and I think US business schools will sacrifice fairness to the utmost degree for the best class that they can get. Yeah. Right. And that's the difference in India if you hit that bar no matter no matter that 99.5 in CAT or 99.9 may, may not make a difference in terms of outcomes they will still prefer the 99.9 guy because it's an objective metric and they say look we don't care if it's a, not an objective metric we we are we put a lot of faith in our admissions committee and whatever they decide will do so therefore you're trying to make yourself as unique as possible without turning yourself into a caricature which is i think very important and how you do that is uh, you don't try to overemphasize points, you don't try to come across as a reader, you try to just tell a story uh, about yourself. And so for me it was relatively easier, I admit, because I used to write fiction uh, in college in general, so for me it was not so much iterative, and in fact when I iterated, sometimes it would become less better, I I would feel. So, uh, but I don't think that's necessarily the right, you have to find your own mechanism, to to be able to uh, write these essays. So I would suggest starting on time and then sharing it with others. I think the second part is that you're not the one who's going to critique your essay, sitting in your room, right? The person who's going to critique your essay is going to be reading through 20 essays uh, in a day. And so try and anticipate that mindset and read the essay from that viewpoint, if you're actually going to critique it at all. Uh, Because you uh, are going to critique it knowing a lot about yourself, and even a nuanced point there in your essay, which to you really hits home, you know, if you think it, this is like a shot out of the park, this is something that really tells my story. I do mean, not even understand it. We do do it in a speed reading ten minutes, so that's the second part. Um, so yeah, I think
5: I, I just feel like you have to put it out to them, like you know, they should not be reading between the lines and you are trying to find out okay, this is okay. So this is you know this is the one key takeaway after reading the entire. Private. They should not keep, you know, uh, using their time to like second guess. Okay, this is what this person is trying to say. Just put it out there. What should really excite them about you? It really has One to
2: be test. One test that I thought was useful <clears throat> is that once you write an essay where you really put your personality into it, you will feel slightly
0: embarrassed and you <laughs>
2: go to a third person. Yeah, it's really. You you know, read it and like Some really, am, am I sending this out? And I think that is a good test that you really put in something of yourself there. And I. What, what, what I've heard that admissions committee is really like uh, is uh, is a little bit of personal storytelling, anyway. Right? So this is not something that they're going to paste out. In fact, you sign a waiver form that this data is not going to be used uh, for any other purpose. So uh, don't be afraid of sharing personal details. So don't, don't share too much of personal details, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, your party in Parajatar uh, and so on. There's a very important concept that you
1: we to listen that. So, we talked about the same for products. If you're not embarrassed of the first version of the product you launch, that means you've you not you missed out something. And if you launch, maybe to launch the perfect product, it means you're too late. So, us look at this two. And I'm deliberately and coming to Vishal after because his process, process was slightly different, but I want you to create that. One is that if you want to not get selected, First, go through all the essays on the internet. There are essays on the Read all of them. <laughs> then, do pattern matching. Oh wow, chemia gets me to X, or Australia gets me to Y. And the third process of not getting selected is to send it to the field. <laughs> if you make, want to make sure that no school admits you, good one, do this. Then, no one will ever admit Why? Because it looks like a teacher. A bad taste. But basically was here is is we have the buzzword, there, this fact about this this you can never do that. They are interested in your story. Yeah. And uh, I know it might seem like you know, because I'm finished five years back, it might seem like somebody is this fancy who already has the. But at like, most people who get it
2: get it because they tell their story in a, in
1: the best possible format. And that best possible format is the final last night fine day. But I see most reasons, most times people falter, people and I know some people here who more than deserve to get it. And like, so somehow it didn't work out. One is that
0: luck would be bad. The other is that you consulted with the wrong set of people. And second, that you consulted with a randomized
1: set of people. So, first point, first rule of thumb is you should not consult with somebody who is directly not on the street. And second is that you should not have somebody with it who doesn't know you reasonably well. Because that person will, will somehow not appreciate the nuances. Yeah. However, there's a catch. The person who sort of knows you well will it also take it something that implicit understands you. Can understand. yeah. mm-hmm. Oh wow, yeah, or oh, I know that you've you got you a good answer this time. But agreed to the point now. So that's, that's a good balance. Yeah. So my process of any these it will be a combination of all the three plus one, which i just your, Look, most 85 percent of the work on the essay needs to be If your first essay and your last essay are telling a completely different story, that means there's something not adding up, especially 10 30 days to submission. So that means it's a cross uh, You a good day you are get it, a bad day you know. You don't want that situation. Right? That's why it's hard to But your first essay should be the essay and your last essay should somehow be late. In an ideal case, it may not be, bad, should be that should be the answer. But yeah, I know your process was slightly different, and if you're comfortable, I wouldn't mind if you share your GMAT score. Sure. So, um, uh, you So, the essay, so
4: I agree with what everyone was saying, especially with keeping it authentic and all that. Um, the Lord of Kirsch saying, I agree, but I never really, no one who read my essay said I've done that before, and everyone who read my essay um, was very close to me as well. Um, I didn't know what Kirsch was like so. Uh, but, um, so, the HBS essay um, has changed, was I mean, saying it's just one essay, no word limit, uh, but no like specified word limit, and it's just what more, But like, basically they say that, okay, we have your resume, we have your recommendations, we have your grades, we have your extra those, what more would you like us to know about um, you? And I think that's an interesting question, you know, it's not easier when they like tell you, okay, um, what is your motivation to come to um, so, you know, whatever as like, to be a you lot know, more specific, this is completely up in the air, it's like, okay, do what you want with it and let us you know what you want, us us you know, what. okay. A lot of what I want to no about is already in my recommendations or in my um, extra figures or it's, you know, in your resume. Um, so that was interesting, so what I did, uh, actually, I'd like to uh, start for as well today, what you to and so I then those schools have graduated, so I stand, started with the app and essays first because I ran it a few days earlier. But basically before I started either of them, I just whatever, I just had a little document in front of and I just put up all my thoughts, uh, very generic, not specific to the questions, not specific to what really um and just why I wanted to do this, so why I wanted to a business school, why I thought either of these schools could be good fit for me. Uh, and then when I actually got down to write the HPS I say I picked out from that. it's you know, things that I had already um, written out about why I wanted to be there. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, the most common question I get asked is, should we go to a counselor, or should we go to all these admissions, you know, companies, whatever. And I always say no. I think that completely takes away from your own voice or your own, you know, and I say <clears> no harm <throat> in talking to other people than getting an idea, yeah, but I would, you know, I wouldn't let someone else dictate what should be my essay. That was another reason that I think everyone who read my essay was close to me. I um, so I when I started I writing my dad, and my of um both excellent writers joined me, they both helped me, you know, say what I was trying to say in a much nicer way. Once I was done, you know, with draft that I was okay. I really like this, I think it's good. I started sending out to other resources my posts statement, which I valued. Um, very often it we'll would come back, like, you know, completely criticised, which I like, you know, it's no point sending people over, and you know, it's really good, it's really great, and just because they're close to you. I everyone mean, I said to, you know, have constructive feedback. Uh, I didn't always take it, you know, um, like I was saying, if you showed to too many people, if uh, you showed to five six, or if you showed to too many people, then you said, Charles, if you might lose your own voice, or it might just come, um, like, a bunch of perspectives, you just trying to keep everyone happy. I think it's important to know what, you're trying to say and then you know feedback might be relevant in like to a generic essay but it takes away from your personality you know, what you're trying to say doesn't really um, make sense to remove it. So very often I would you know get feedback so I would read the feedback I'd be like, oh this is really helpful. Go back to my essay and be like, oh wait if I change this it sort of takes away from what I'm trying to say so I don't want to do that. Um, so I think it's important to know who what when to sort of take that feedback and when not to and also in mean, terms of knowing, not that oh, I know better than them, but knowing in terms of what you're trying to really to say, um, and yeah, and then at the end, I think there was like one or two people I said who had never said the essay before, more just in terms of proofreading and just generally what's your opinion? You know, what would you if someone said this to you? What would you think? So I structured my essay sort of like that. In terms of writing, what I ended up actually writing, I ended up writing. Um, why I wanted to do an MBA. Of course, I put in the things about, um, you know, there are things you know that they are looking for. So, in terms of leadership experience, or so in terms of um, what other experiences I had in college, and also why I think I'm a good fit for HDS. Um, but I think also because I never, like I was just a single lady, she had planned for it. You know, I never I never really planned to go to HDS. I never thought I'd go to business school when I joined law school until my third or fourth year, when I started thinking about it. Um, so, nothing i had done was like, oh, I went here so that I can apply you know, or meet some you logs. Know. I think that also helps keep some sort of, um, you know, just come across as authentic and like be a be that when they're reading it, they're like, okay, he genuinely wants to be here, um, sort of thing. In terms of t so um, okay, so, I did my Gmail again, when I was still in law school. So, I used, um, and there was nowhere to really go for classes in Solicard, so I didn't go. Uh, but I used something called the Economist GMAT tutor, uh, which I thought was excellent. You know anyone who's asked me what we do, i recommend that. Um, and I got a 710. I gave it once and I got a 710. I considered giving it again. Uh, I spoke to a few people who told me, and this was, i given it in December, and I have to use a few papers. There was still a decent mark, like, but everyone I sort of spoke to was, if you've crossed that 7, 710 mark, um, giving again, maybe you get 740, but you'd rather take that time to spend all your essays. But I decided to put that. And
1: okay, here's a very personal joke. So, yeah. have all of you watched Alex' masterclass on GMAT or not? Why not? Go and watch it. If you want to take the GMAT, you don't write a masterclass. Have you ever taken that or not? Yeah. And it's also digital masking masculine. That is pre-enquisite for any value right? because I don't like to do repeat stuff. So please make sure to do that. English master class will cover specific preparation as a W for G. Then what he did was he's also taken the cat and almost got a full score. Right? So that, you know, those kinds of things are super useful. So let's, let's make sure to do that. For GMAT, here's the thing. Statistically, what I noticed is that low engine GMAT score usually is not a good sign. I also write and I was yeah, my score is <coughs> 780. I'll make those 780, so 777. Seven, seven, but if you have a really compelling reason, and if your story adds up, and you're writing and you your story, even we suggest that you prioritize the story over the score <coughs> if you go crossing the threshold. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But I also, for 2
4: plus 2, um, so I, I, I think, uh, at least from the algorithm, what you see, I think they tend to be a little more lenient. In terms of your school well, just from the perspective, and I don't know how true this is, um, but I, I mean I came from five years of law school, I had not touched a math both thing till I decided, okay, I want to make My English percentile in the GMAT was 96 percentile and my math percentile was sixty-four or sixty-six or something, and that uh, because the English percentile was so high my I crossed the seven hundred. Um but I think you know, like I, I don't know, I'd like to believe the fact that you come from law school. Well, so I've spoken a couple of people um, right before who had uh, someone from Cambridge who had done no novel then uh, was HBS as well they had a think, 720 and um, his understanding also seemed to be that, you know, they sort of understand the fact that, okay, you haven't done this, five I don't know how true that is years, yeah, But then, um, you know,
2: when you're giving your GMAT, just, just give yeah. your GMAT, yeah. and yeah. that's always the first step. Yeah. That's always the first step. Yeah. Uh, and. Everything else will will you will have to do and plan out anyway. So I mean, just look at maximizing your score uh, because I mean, for me the problem was that I had to maximize it. I had a particularly horrible uh, CGPA uh, <laughs> in, in my undergrad for, for the aforementioned reason. I did not. I, I did well in the classes that I liked. I did not. So sort if of, uh, want to do uh, certain classes, it's even than that. Uh, But the thing is that, that I was very concerned right, that I have to get my GMAT and have to balance out my uh uh you know my my my, uh, my, my undergrad CGPA. But then and I don't uh, I don't agree at all actually with uh, not not talking to a consultant. Uh, I think what they do bring to the table and, and a lot of them you can do free consultations with <laughs> them. Uh, yes. and I think what they do bring to the table is someone who understands, who has seen so many applications, giving you advice from the vantage point of someone who doesn't know, And as Ukar directly pointed out, I think you need to have people in different buckets you your advice. you need people who are close to you to give your advice and you need that third person also who knows, who has read so many applications that he knows the mindset of the person who reviews, right? Because he's seen so many succeed and fail. So if you find yourself and and that's why why I use uh, an admissions consultant to actually help me, uh, give me feedback uh, and tell me uh, because because uh, from my college, uh, all of them, all of the people that I knew who were in the schools that I was targeting were either like 2 plus 2 geniuses like Abhilasha, or they had, you know, they had a, you know, MPB plus some, something else as a background. I mean, I would say 90% of them, right? Yeah, so mine right. was very, very different. So I wanted to know how my <laughs> profile stacks up and mm-hmm. what else yeah. can I do to really uh, make my case as compelling for an NPA as anyone else. So, for me, that process said, uh, and, and the vicious consultant was the one who told me that, I, I was worried, I said, I have a 770, but uh, I didn't sleep well that night, what if I get a 780, or a perhaps a 970, it doesn't matter, because for them that, it's a very silly, absurd question, and yeah. not really <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, No, no, but here, here because of the network of have access
1: to all alarms. We will have you get into an alarm. Okay, so don't waste your time you know, with other people. We will find people from from his, <laughs> who will look at your application. And if you go going the like, go for it, go for go for a person like Stacey, a right? Right, where so, like, you know that whatever you invest in. What I don't want you to do is to spend time in between. And neither <laughs> then nor an alarm. So that is again, anything in is injury should be avoided for your application itself. So in any time the application application these kind of reviewers actually mess it up. And some people, I know one person specifically who, before the day of that person's interview, was something ridiculous. Because that person was trying to include stuff that uh, the person, you know, was writing by sort of So, you know, one, one needs to sort of also keep that kind of perspective. Right. But I'm not sorry, just to make this um, Even I spoke,
4: to before I started and first spoke to anyone once, I did one of these three consultations with one of the um, so I think that's really in terms of understanding what really meant to write an essay for an MBA. Um, so, I, yeah, I would definitely like when I was talking more about yeah. in terms of giving letting like, someone else dictate your essay or your um, input. but yeah, definitely, you know, I mean these guys have been doing it for so many years, they know exactly they've seen people get in or get in. They might not be able to predict, but they know what goes into the essay. And what, you know, what are certain boxes that you, know, you should
2: be taking off in your essay? No problem with anyone, anyway. You have been through an experience uh, yeah. or have, you know, have uh, been bettered, or you know, one of the analysts <coughs> may be directed to someone. That's it. Yeah. As he said, they put you in the right mindset. Yeah. But then, figuring out the application, to should be your own data. So if I'm you try to make that for the other, then maybe
3: then you're asking for so one perspective there is, so I had a friend who was in a real similar situation, she just got out of PCI after she left the consultant, because the, uh, this was uh, not you from my idea. But it was just somebody who's, who the consultant was sort of doing an average job and a family, literally but I was like, hey, you shouldn't submit this because this just doesn't sound like a person. <laughs> it sounds like a caricature because you like they put in all the buzzwords which is making no sense. I would also add it's helpful to talk to the people from the schools to understand what they want. So Harvard in particular had an institution who ran admissions cons- like admissions, reward, uh, admissions whose name was D. Leopold. Everyone knew that D had a certain identity which had shifted. So now it's no longer run by D. I'm praying who the new person is but he's a very different person. So, and I know that for a fact that that has shifted what they're doing. Um, they also treat uh, international admissions differently from US admissions. There's a, there's a certain pattern at work, at if you talk to an American, their experience will be very different to, from coming to an Indian. Um, I also, which is why I think admissions events are like very relevant. To, I have not attended one. But I, I, I mean, I know how it's going. One, speaking at one on July 19th. so I know HPS is doing an event there and that's a good idea because they will also be able to sort of they really hit the notes on what the school stands for today. Um, I know for a fact that it's even shifted from the time I applied uh, because D used to they was like no, we land admissions a certain way, and then once D moved out, it was like a different admissions. So. Being aware of that, you know, speaking to albums of people from your schools
1: is really helpful. Um, and they're often very forthcoming. They'll tell you exactly what they're looking for. Uh, Shreya, yeah. and just for a question yeah. of you. How so, do you do approach the Because I'm sure, like, all of us get a lot of questions or reviews to review an essay, give advice, which so It's humanly not, really not possible to respond to well. so areas. What are the
0: ones that end up getting responses or how do you approach can- them? So, uh, to me, because I really realised it
5: was a key part for LBS, for me, after I spoke to LBS. Uh, uh, so, when I came back, I reached out on LinkedIn to somebody uh, from my school. Uh, because from Stephen, somehow, you know, in the current batch, there's somebody from LBS and... Uh, yeah, so I think what really helps is if you have somebody from your college, your school, your company, establish a common connection uh, because you know, it's not only just talking to them or reviewing, but at the end of the day, you also want them to maybe uh, send a very short recommendation note for you to the admissions committee, there has to be some linkage, you know. You can't just expect a completely third party person uh, to be vouching for you, but on what basis. So it's always good to have a common link. Uh, and then if you reach out, I just found it was amazing because he actually took out time. He was in India at the moment uh, from London. Uh, he was taking a break and he actually came to meet me in a coffee shop, he's BCG consultant, worked on a new campaign and also he's very much into consulting so he actually did a proper consulting kind of a case in case kind of a thing with me and he sat down with me for two hours in a coffee shop and he's like okay what, how can we make this world better and everything like that. I think they're genuinely very helpful just try to have a good thing just don't reach out to somebody very randomly. Maybe that can work but I don't think it will be that true to both the parties I'll
3: give a slightly flipped answer it has been many years since I applied um, um, I always like I used to go school So yes, you know, if you're from the school that we went to, I would gender, gender, give the first response Having said that, if you're a rude person who doesn't respect my time, I'm not going to give you the second response uh, I don't care if you're from my school I, By the way, I have had enough people reach out for disrespect to my time you can't like send me a vague note and if I tell you send me an email, not send me an email and then come back a month later and say my deadline is tomorrow. Can you review this today? Uh, that's so just a, yeah. that's utterly disrespectful. And it's happened enough times. Earlier I started off as being the golden like person of like I would review any request <laughs> that email. So I've reviewed like tons of applications, but after a while I was like, I don't you know, um you know, I don't care if you're from or any, but like if you cannot like respect my time, then you are not gonna get a response. And this is very common. The second is please don't ask generic questions. If you put a research list on Google, don't ask yeah. me. Yeah. Right? Like, like That's,
1: that's just, just the rule of thumb. Anything that's available online, you need to know. If you um, not, then you're unprepared, you mm-hmm. probably will not get it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: So those people I just don't respond to. I also realize over time it's like I don't have that much time, so I can't respond people. So <laughs> you just ask me like which is the website for application? I'm <laughs> not Google. <laughs> yes. there, there are enough people who yeah, yes. ask the very <laughs> generic questions and/or will not follow up on time. Don't have the courtesy to thank you. I'm not expecting you to like be very grateful <laughs> to me, but I expect you to be like show courtesy. Uh, so that is there. Is there? This is very clear. especially if you send out multiple, multiple requests. I've seen people like up uh, up names. You're writing to me, you better get one right? Like that's the basic gold standards of like people. <laughs> I have actually randomly helped people who I didn't know at all. Uh, and that came from a place of does this person sound like a genuine, authentic person who's asking me a pointed question? And, um, you know, in fact, I had somebody who reached, and I think now I realize I should probably point that person to you, Michelle, because that person had a law school background and was asking me about something, and I was like, Hey, I can get you this far, but like, I don't, I'm not a lawyer myself. Um, but I think, like, so pointed question helps uh, realize how much I will do for you without having a prior connection. I will not sit and read your first draft, I will only read it like the first draft of a very dear friend. Um, so, those are just like, just understand, be focused on your question, uh, just be a nice person to read your <coughs> Uh, and I can't stress how painful it can be, like people who just go radio silent or send you something one day before deadline. I would do that for like maybe three people in this world and like hearing that person.
1: And that isn't a, a random name.
3: It's not. I'm, but I mean, to be fair, the random name does work. I keep I looking regularly, I do sometimes, but it just depends on how... It but it needs to be crafted
1: a certain Exactly. Way. You need to make it easy for the other person to respond. Yeah. You know, because the person wants to, like, when is the person checking, like, leaving yeah. Like, if the person is busy, then between then between times of travel between you want to make it so simple for him order to respond that they want. Yeah. And in the same way, they sort
0: of respect me.
1: That yeah. person has done the basic amount of work. I will respect and reply to this person. The other thing is, thank like, you. Please send a chance, sincere thank you request. You'll be surprised at how few people do it, and you'll be surprised at how everyone remembers it. Yeah. If you forget the thank you, you have missed an opportunity. And your thank you note is free to people get them. Especially people get a lot of thank you notes then, which is a sincere thank you note, and which is a thank you note that you send to the checker box. Go and send And this is only, I know most of you will get into top schools, business schools, and otherwise. Please make this a habit. Send sincere thank you notes. It will be, it's a nice thing to do, but it will also help you professionally. Uh, like now, with the NGO, let's come to the email. So, how was your
4: interview? How did you know that worked? the agency um, interview is interesting, I, I don't know how the answers the are, but um, it was exactly half an hour. So, when I got the mail, um, they, they didn't have any options for Skype or doing it in Pompeii or doing it in India or anything like that. Um, and at that time, I didn't, the dates, the exam dates were out, and I thought my might be in of exams. So I initially started googling, um, oh, you know, can I do it on Skype and stuff like that. And I spoke to a few people um, as well, and then everyone sort of recommended that, oh, if you can go there 3DQ, do. try doing it on my Skype. And, um, you know, so, whatever day or two later, my exam dates came, and it actually happened to be in the period between, like a study period, study leave. So I had a few days that I could actually go there. Um, and when I was thinking about it, when I was talking to people about it, the uh, sort of understanding I had was that it's exactly half an hour long, uh, and this was to at 30 minutes in the middle of the answer, and they stopped me. Um, if, it's, or if you're being on Skype, if your internet is not working really well that day. Um, also what's interesting as see about HBS is that within 24 hours of your interview they make right write a reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what a couple of people told me that I thought it made a lot of sense is that if you're doing over Skype, your reflection is going to be that much harder. Um, as well. And since I had that opportunity to go there and study, even I was you know, obviously very keen. Uh, so I did actually end up going there for my interview. They had a lot of um, and by then I connected a couple of you know common friends and whatever I was one or um, one or two people I connected with was also giving their interviews, so I happened to meet them. So one of my seniors from school um, connected me to a professor at HBS also, who I met the day before my interview, who was extremely helpful. Um, so, you know, I think going there definitely made a big difference. In those two days I was there, seeing the campus, meeting that professor, whatever, meeting a couple of other kids, who were also it was definitely really made a big difference in um, you know, how I approached the interview. Um, For the 2 plus 2 interview is slightly different because they don't really have too much to ask you about uh, in terms of work experience or you know, growth after you've graduated or whatever, because you're still in college at the time. So they they had a printed copy of my essay and a printed copy of my resume in front of them. And you know, I think it also really comes down to luck. But the first question they asked me about was about the resource center which I spent your her four years, one of the things we started over there was this program for Tibetan refugees, this entrepreneurship development program, and um, they asked me about that, and, um, you know, again, I think one thing that I really helped over there was that, I hadn't been prepared for that question, and the, the layers I didn't for, but they asked me, or oh, tell us some of the entrepreneurs you worked with. And one thing we do at the center we stay in touch because I had this thing called the legal entrepreneurship cell, where we help entrepreneurs with legal work, uh, legal research uh, for free. And so for the Tibetan entrepreneurship development program, I was well, staying in touch with the entrepreneurs, helping them with you know, legal issues along the way. So immediately, as soon as they asked me, I was like, oh, you know, I'm still in touch with this person, this person, this is what they're doing, this is our head, and all of that. So I think the fact that, you know, it wasn't something randomly i had written, but something that I've actually done. And, Because anything, you know, a lot of people have noticed on their resume like things and I ask them about it, like, oh, you know, we did this one summer. Uh, I think that would definitely put them off. This was something I've been a part of genuinely for many years. So when I start speaking about it, um, you know, it comes across genuine. Second thing that I thought, uh, which, you know, a couple of people told me as well, was that you only have half an hour and you don't want to go on about one question. So even though there'll be a question where you have loads of things to say, Try focusing on what you think is most key things and then giving them an opportunity to ask you something else. Um, and also I mean I think by and again I don't know who this is by but by directing your answers in a certain way, their follow-up questions will also tend to be about a certain topic and I thought that was very kind of, helpful. Uh, you know, knowing exactly how I want it, but not that you can prepare for it, but based on the question, just knowing okay, this is a good part to end because then they're going to follow up. You don't want them to feel like you're only really person talking and then or giving an opportunity to ask you about it. I just want to wrap up yeah. the HBS uh, interview piece
3: because I think a lot of the things are similar. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice anyone gave me was preparing answers on cue cards which were like really small. It forces you to have a lot of brevity. Like you just have so much time. You can only write so much, you can only speak so much. Uh, another thing is it's a 30 minute interview that a lot of people said it's it's a 7 into 3 pattern or something like that. Each, they're, they're, they'll cover six to seven themes, and within each theme, they will go like two to three levels deep. So, in my case, like, they'll be like, um, I, I interned at ITCA, i didn't know about that. Um, so, they would say, So, tell us about it. How did you react to that and that? So, there is a certain, it's not just a question and then jump into another question. They had two to three levels of like trying to verify where the story adds up. And then they move to another theme. So you have between, like, you know, depending on how prompt you are in your responses as well as how it's tying up, I think they typically cover five to seven themes and go two to three levels deep. Uh, and that was just a helpful recognition. It forced me, like, the few card was one of the best pieces of advice anyone ever gave me. And also, I did over Skype. So for those of you who do it uh, via Skype or something like that, make sure you have an amazing internet connection. I did it out of the uh, senior dean's office at IIT, because I knew anywhere else the internet connection would going to be patchy. Uh, so I did it through that uh, and uh, prepare doing interviews via Skype or like, do it because it's a very different experience. You it is a bit weird to be able to see like people in a different way. So I've seen a lot of people get home. They don't know where to look. No, there's a camera. Look there. And I don't look in other directions. Uh, so depending on whatever your medium is, make sure you practice that. Really well. It just very simply we come back to Alexander.
5: So when we Airbase, so we have video interviews. Yeah. yeah, one component and the other is in person. So yeah, that's very true. Like when I look at myself, I'm just oh my god. Like you know, it's so huge, and I have to like really just talk to myself. So, yeah. yeah,
1: that's, that can happen. <laughs> be prepared for everything. Yeah, that's
5: just... yes, how uh, sorry? So, Like
1: Sorry? Any advice
5: for interviews? Uh, interview. So, LB is very different, I would say. Uh, we have one video interview, actually two video interviews. One is a set question for which you get to prepare, and then just say it out like a speech. Um, and the other, any random question you can just come online. Uh, so that happens first, and it kind of really prepares you for the in-person uh, interview to come. Uh, I think for me, I really prepared quite a lot, which wasn't even required. Now I feel, uh, but I just like went online and I saw like the top 20, 30, you know, normal, typical HR questions. They don't have to be any, but everything about your strengths, your weaknesses, your background, why do you want to do, what do you want to do. These are general questions everybody should know for any interview, I feel. So I really like sat down and read a document of like three questions and answers, and I really did a blog, which I think was not very required. Because I was told that the LBS interview is very conversational, which I really love because it's with an alum and you know they just really, I think actually is not with an alum, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it's the
1: interviews can go both ways.
5: Both ways, okay. I I don't know. But I've heard generally very good things about LBS interviews and uh, it really was like that. It was very chill. This person made me feel very comfortable and I think the general questions would be uh, really just talk about your journey, talk me through your CV or uh, what are you doing and then you know, why do you want to join anything and why LPS specifically and what do you want to do later on. So again it's a lot about storytelling, really knowing your story, being very authentic, I think they really want to check authenticity as well. And just personality exchange, it's very conversational. There's a case study as well, which happens in LBS that I did not prepare for it because it's not like a consulting case study. It's a very, very quick five minute, they give you a topic and you just have to talk about it. It turned out it was AI for me, something related to that. And it was very, very sweet. Like, he gave me the the, uh, choice. You can choose which topic you want. So it was nice, but mine went on for about two hours. So, I think with Alan's, it probably goes on. In a coffee shop, so it was very relaxed.
2: So man was an animal. Uh, but before that, uh, so the person he was talking about was very thrown off, that was me. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he really doesn't want you to go to a consultant. No, but on a serious note, uh, that was not but because, to people, to because of the subject. because I talked to many. I talked too many people with the standard questions. So as she said there are some standard questions, right? And I think uh, now if I would prepare for it again, what I would do is I would just write it down. Because normally I can just, you know, you can just talk to people. So why, 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 like, why prepare speaking it? Um, unless you know you're doing mocks with people, and don't do mocks with people, you know, I don't, I didn't find that that helpful, you know, because because I knew that it was so weird uh, talking to them um, and just like answering these questions as if they did not know me at all. So I had to turn off the video because that really put me off. Like I did it with Aziz once, and it was like, what, what am I doing? And, that was too much knowledge about uh, the thing. I think a certain yeah. degree of separation helps. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, you know, for me, again, it was a conversation. Uh, Adam, Adam was just, just uh, very friendly. Yeah. But he didn't try to throw me off because he really attacked me in the first three minutes and then was gauging my response to it. So, how, how balanced it was, whether I was empathizing with what the interviewer was saying. And, and in my case, the interviewer uh, spoke more than me towards the end, uh, and was talking about their own uh, sort of story, and it lasted more than an hour. So I got a good feeling towards the end that okay, the interview has gone well, at least. Um, and I think that was because first, like, actually, and I mean, it was one day before he said, just forget all of this like uh, stuff. And I think you need time to forget. Yeah. So if you've done all that preparation, uh, let it settle. Don't do all that preparation, this is why you shouldn't do things last minute. And I'm speaking from experience. Uh, just uh, forgetting it became a very good challenge, right? Because you've gone into this structured thinking process about every question, but that's not how conversations work. Yeah. Uh, and then just like have a good conversation with someone, and that person is trying to test, is that, and especially if it's an alum, um, I would think the person is trying to test, is this person a good representative of my community? Uh, does this person belong in my community? Can they Can they do well in my community? And for that, you know, it's important to have a good and interesting conversation with that person. So approach it from that lens. Uh, and, and, and don't don't uh, be afraid of saying, I don't know. I mean, uh, that's the standard advice. If they ask me question where I did not feel like I have enough knowledge once, I would just say that I don't think uh, I know that much about it. But I'll take yeah. no, no. uh, I, I had the authors to work in South
1: Florida. And once it's like, I was basically looking for private policies Applying to business school for people in the last minute. Second, I, I was very young. I was at the young media fellowship first, but I was only 24 and a half. So I did teach for one consulting, one the young media fellowship, and why I was at the fellowship? I had, I had little worth experience, so I, my GMAT score was high that time. But for me, it was a mistake that I was making for all of them, different preparation was that I, I had, I assumed that the person was understanding the context that I was talking
0: Especially when I used to speak about
1: each you. Because you know, you tend, especially the things that you care about, you tend to assume that the other person also cares about it and understands the context you operate. So, like my coach at that time, was somebody at the Young India uh, who is now a coach, like those of mine. Like that's what I'm saying, you tend to assume lot, And because you're articulate, it sounds like, you know, like, like people are really engaged, but you know, when they reflect, they will feel like, that oh wow. What did he say? What did he mean by that? Mm-hmm. So then he told me that do, don't do too much. Just make sure that you spend the first one minute explaining what you're talking about and then die. Mm-hmm. So just that piece of advice was precious to me in all the interviews. So now, now at that time, he said, uh, look, you said two alarm interviews. One is in a good cop, one is a bad cop, usually. What at that time was 30 minutes, usually in some theory, the ad cops. The question was, what one you Like, why am I, what are do you doing? They assess for different kinds of Cornell was also an alumni, the person it's down. Cornell now has an interesting Cornell tech program as so, well. So, a lot of you who you, are looking at tech, it's an interesting program. So, I would also say that Avila has a very two like, cards. Plus, for people that do pursue that, that the other person also knows and cares, <coughs> these two things usually told well. And, you know, Ali is argument as you can say, like all these four people are but Ali, one day before was not sounding like Ali at all. And I do think
2: that was because of, to some over preparation, to some he's like trying to, you know, just oh, sure. I'll tell you exactly what it was. was listening to about five more people than, than I should have. So, I mean, I had five people who were, who were giving good advice, and then I sort of broadened the net. And this, these are people who are all well-meaning, but didn't know me well enough. And so they said, but have you really thought about this? This doesn't strike as a logical thing to me. And you you know, they were like, oh, this is my Y M B (laughs) answer. That's not. (laughs) But but you know, I mean, different people have different thoughts. And so they they were like, okay, but nowadays this uh, entire space has changed. So you know, people will say that how will you even do this? But then I realized if the interviewer says that, the interviewer is trying to provoke you into an answer, and you'll have some answer. Right? but rather than you know change your entire story, right? You're trying to hedge. You're trying to, uh, so that they can't answer. That is the wrong strategy. So I have opted a wrong strategy, which was to preempt every question, and then, then then there's no point having a the conversation. Right? Then you're like, then might as well write it down on a piece of paper and put it, uh, give it to the interviewer. What's the
4: difference? that's you is my interview so after the interview was, uh, they had like, an open house session, and they said that, um, and so I think there were around 1,400 applicants, and they called 200 to the interview, and then they picked about close to 100, and they said that you know all 200 who been call to interview on paper are good enough to make it, but we can only take 100, so the interview stage is not about who we choose, but it's who we can eliminate. It. And I thought that was very like, interesting, because then it really comes down to, I mean, especially because it's is fully case study method, you know. Um they do I mean when you're in the way the interview works is you sort of they give you a slot, you come and they make you sit down. I mean I everyone mean, comes like half-hour comments on So you're sitting down with many other people who are also there for the interview. Uh, I everyone's mean, obviously very this. And then uh, when it's your slot, seven or eight, I think eight people um uh, they call you up, and then we're all sitting up for like ten minutes, and then one by one, like an interviewer comes out and like calls one person in. And so then you're waiting to be called, which adds to that thing. Um, and then I had um, two, so you see it's just one person asking questions. In my room there were two people, but one person asking questions and the other person was just sitting there making notes. Um, which is, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one second. Um, that happened and, to me in my
2: undergrad, though. That happened in Steve. Yeah, so, so that was my undergrad. So they called me for the IAC news, I was, I was doing, cool. doing that for people, I felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, so Dee Leopold
4: took my interview, um, and then she had someone like, taking notes, and she kept asking questions, and honestly, I couldn't, I got out of the interview, and I, I remember like, all the fans, they were like, oh, how do I do that, and like, I had no idea, mm-hmm. they didn't have any indication, they were completely like, you know, and they didn't smile, they didn't, nothing Nothing changed, they were just asking me questions, uh, one by one, and then, you know, I was in the middle of an answer, they were like, okay, thanks, time's was and like, that was, that was it, you know, so I had absolutely no idea, I think it's really important that you know the of that, show you off, you know. Um, because they, they are obviously trying to show you off, see who does well under high pressure situations, who's going to do well, I um, mean, you know, obviously it's like, well, one on one interview, you know, like, sitting in a class of 100 people trying to talk, in your know, case, I mean, well, it's very different. But they did say in the open up that, you know, I mean, they're trying to see how people react on the different situations, um, how well you can, like, speak, how well you're able to put across your ideas. Um, you know, one of the things the professor who I met for told me was that, you know, a lot of people have excellent ideas, great work, you know, great experience in college, great experience, all of that. Uh, but when, it's, when it comes to someone asking them a question, they get lost in trying to figure out how to put it across, and then that puts the interviewers off it, Because then they believe that, okay, in a classroom situation when you're trying to explain, you're going to go on a whole different tangent as opposed to just um, getting to the point, which is really important for engineers. Um, So
3: I thought that if something would keep that One thing specifically for HBS, I saw this with one of my best friends who applied a couple of years after me, was uh, the interview throws you off. Um, She was convinced she's not getting in, And you also have a 24-hour time bound thing to write a reflection. You have to sit and write it. Like you can't go into a zone where like this is over, my application is over, and she was in that zone. Um, and you know she then took a step back. A lot of people counsel her to be like, you never know how an interview is gone, especially with HBS. You have to write the reflection. Um, and she got it. So, like in general, just like you know, you could think it's gone disastrously. The reflection is a necessary part of the process. You can't just be like, it's a fun disaster that feedback should but It's just worth remembering. Have your like, you know, usually for anyone who's done a good application, have four or five people. Who were really closely championing her. So like even when her application started going, like where she felt like the interview didn't go well, she knew she had to call me. She knew she had to call her elder brother, who was a bootlegger, and we, and she knew we could that you know we could give her judicious advice. So there's a broader pool that like works with you, but there are two to three core people who can also take you up through the emotional ups and downs, uh, which is pretty critical as well.
1: So these three are going to start school, so this Kabila, what is like after MBA and I'll weigh in a little bit.
3: So, um, so my uh, situation was very interesting because I said was diversifying, I decided that I wanted to, I spent a year doing innovations and something um, for a year after that and I wanted to diversify the life sciences, um, very hard, it's a, it's a very niche area, very difficult to get it, it was at There was somebody I knew who was running a company whose co-founder was based in Cambridge and uh, he wanted, he was there, this was a completely tech science company who were trying to make their first business hire, uh, very much driven by uh, the fact that I was, I had the, what was interesting for me was that I had to interview with the board because I was interviewing for a BB level position so the board had to sign off on my uh, hire. Um, Street cred, like HBase just gave me street cred to be in that conversation. The person, one of the board members who was interviewing me was somebody who knew the professor who taught the life sciences course and By the way, these board networks are very incestuous. Yeah. I've already met like six, he knew my, like in the year I did consulting his partner's wife, like it was it's a very incestuous thing, but it gave me street cred It gave me the language, uh, especially if you, if like me you were trying to make a difficult speech,
2: right? So it's just common... One of them is my senior, one of the persons persons. He...
3: Yeah, and like like a lot of this is, and this is like in this case, like even this is a board member is a year old person who has no connection with me, but he has a common connection with some of these people, right? Um, secondly, I think this is worth thinking about if you're considering international memory, is think about the, whether, how married you are to the, the idea of being in the US. Immigration has changed a lot. In my case it didn't matter, I always wanted to be in India and I wanted my current role is amazing because I split time between India and the US. Uh, but I know for a fact regulations changed a lot. If your dream is to be in the US, I, I can talk in more length and what are the hacks to try, but it is not a gallery of Right? Uh, I know for a fact HBS, Pro, I my the batch that just graduated, has had 15 people proactively make the decision to move back. Uh, because immigration can throw your career off track. Right? Uh, if you don't get the visa, you keeps get stuck. In the first two, three years after your MBA, you might be just chasing the immigration kind and people's career is taking off. Uh, so that's just my new sense. I know a friend who's really badly stuck with post HVS, just with immigration, it's just not worked out. And not even like a yes and no, he's been stuck and it's been difficult uh, and he really wanted to be in the U.S. so it's kind of very difficult on that front. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is just like thing to that thing. Uh, it is a very real thing. Uh, and uh, if you're like me and like, I, this is my dream situation that I can split are trying between Boston and Delhi. But if you really want to live in the U.S. you need to start thinking about clever hacks. Do an MS MBA. Gives you a STEM visa, gives you like some more time. But by and large, uh, yes, immigration is a very important one if you're doing a US MBA and if you really want to live in the US. Uh,
1: it's, it's not a safe yeah. yeah. So uh, when I finished this paper, I told you I'm very, very young. So because I've done a lot of the experiments before, like debating be and being each student, they young. So, my goal coming out of the entire mental just around the time of graduation. Um, my goal was to whatever I do, I want to do it for some time. So, after I graduate, i been be with the one company that I started where you all sitting right one company where I'm at, like where I'll be and see it transform from the stock price which was then and then. Like, and for me, it has been a very precious learning. That is not how usually post MBA careers Usually people switch around a lot because the expectation that you have after MBA uh, can be very different from what the real world life is. But for me, I think was I did not want to jump around after because I had done whatever I wanted to do. At, at a very young age, I had a rapid pace in college now, right. And now, like think, uh, I'm I am where I want to be, but in terms of reflection of the five, the things that you make to it are uh, meaningful bonds, people that you help, right, I, I, I don't mean the number of people who help me, I mean how many people I
0: was like, can you be able to help from that, or, or like, you know, in whatever shape or form, and that's pretty useful, and the third is that, you know, you should go through some cycles
1: of ups, downs, um, it, it is usually not a hobby cycle. For anyone. Okay. That everything, you basically is a bunch of roses and golden stars. Usually, that's not the real story. So, even after that, you know, the biggest advantage is that financially, if you, you, know, you strike well, it it's helpful Like, if your worst case scenario yeah. is still better than most of you. So, that is today at least in the reality. And yeah. yeah. it's not insulated. Especially if you go to an program, your no matter how much you fall unless the a tragedy before the other, you do fine. You probably do very well, right? But the question is that you usually measure yourself with your classmates. Right? Any article. Like, right? It's a lot like when you go to your university, you say, how did I do? No matter how you they see real people. He goes to the first glance at it, will So that time you will see that some people will have there. That some people be somewhere. Find somebody. Some people have real tragedies and they overcome it and some people will be there. But you just have a very, very, very wide spectrum. It is to be So, for me that has been the most interesting aspect of it. Just seeing so many different people, do so many different things. And going through all kinds of eyes and like those, from the prime minister of Georgia, like all these kinds of things. And you can't
0: stop at the richness of <laughs> So, but you yeah, had you know the people it. But again, I, my goal is that
1: like, for my next project. how many people look at a tangent? that right, tied like into my mission, which is to help interesting people do interesting things. So you have some sort of mission, pre-NPA, post-NPA,
0: doing NPA. Don't go, don't go pick up a product. Like, you don't need to go to NPA. You need to have more macro data. Okay, so I'm going to stop everybody now.